Hi, I'm Mike Mason and I'm with Legends of Tabletop today. Yes, thank you for joining us today, Mike. Um, I uh, I hear that there's been a lot of exciting things going on over at Chaosium. And um, I am very, very pleased to see the great results for the Any Awards that you've received. You got, I think it was silver for Best Company? Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, for a fan, fan kind of favorite company, we, uh... We uh, had, a, had a silver, so that was fantastic. That was that was uh, unexpected and uh, and very lovely to get. Yes, yeah, yeah. We did uh, we did quite well at the end of this year. We had uh, uh, we you know got silvers and golds in a, in a number of categories. Um, I'm just trying to think what we got. We got um, a silver in best adventure for Doors to Darkness, which is. Um, a uh, scenario anthology for Call of Cthulhu that's based, uh, well, it's geared towards um, new players and new keepers um, with lots of uh, introductory and lots of advice and tips on how to, you know, run Call of Cthulhu inbuilt into those scenarios. And they're all, you know, very, really, really nice self-contained scenarios that kind of run on a single session or maybe a couple of sessions. And, uh, so they're really, you know, they're a really good first step, and so it was really nice to sort of, sort of get that, um, you know, both nominated and then winning a winning a silver um, at the Ennis this year. So that was great, and um, the authors involved um, Brian Courtmanch, Brian Salmons, Glyn Owen Barris, uh, Christopher Adair Smith. I think that's about all of them. I think as well as a uh, as well as a, a really kind of engaging and interesting. Um, overview of um, games mastering tips written by Kevin Ross for the book really kind of combined to make it a um, you know a really um, a really strong book in its own right but it but obviously with Chaosium's kind of you know we, we all our books now uh, tend to be hardback full color books so it, it not only you know plays and reads well it looks great as well some really gorgeous artwork in that one so that was, it was really nice to get that um, that recognized in the uh, the best adventure category um, yes. We um, we also did you know all the kind of core products for Call of Cthulhu that came out of the original seventh um, edition Kickstarter kind of did well. We, the Keeper screen I think took best um, uh, yeah won the best accessory for, with, with the Gold Award and um, and we still keep getting lots of really great reviews for the Keeper screen because um, you know not only you know most of the time you buy a Keeper screen for a game and you kind of just get a Keeper screen um, but I really wanted to kind of make it a um, uh, a really useful and um, worthwhile kind of purchase. So not just a screen, you get two full scenarios in there, uh, uh, a further book of Keeper references, some maps, and uh, uh, as well as you know, large poster maps of New England and uh, Lovecraft Country and the world and so on. And so, so you, know, you open it up and it all kind of explodes out with lots and lots <laughs> of stuff. So you know, for a, new, for a new Keeper and somebody coming new to the game, you, you get a whole load of material to just, you know, Really get you going, so um, so that 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 you know that's you know very good to uh, to get that recognised again. 
Um, the Investigator Handbook um, mm-hmm. won a uh, gold for the best cover, uh, and that was um, that was illustrated by uh, an artist called Sam Lamont, who um, has worked all over the shop. Actually, he's quite a high in, high in demand kind of guy. He's a very great guy. He's uh, I think he recently finished a gig um, doing concept art for the um, the forthcoming new series of Doctor Who. So he's you know he's a guy uh, a guy in demand. But um, anyone who's seen the uh, the front cover. Um, knows it kind of harkens back in a semi, maybe not so subtle way to to the you know the very first edition of um, the Advanced Dungeons and Dragons Players Handbook, where you've got the kind of the uh, the statuette and the invest- and the adventurers kind of wandering in and trying to prize its eye out. And here instead we've got a kind of a, a take of a you know one of the Cthulhu Mythos deities gold statuette with the investigators wandering into this kind of deserted and long lost temple. So it kind of you know, it works really well in its own right. But you know, if you're an old-time role player, there's kind of it, it kind of you know warms the cockles of your heart as well. There's a bit of a callback to you know the early days of role play there as well, which is uh, which is pretty cool. Um, what else did we do? We did oh the uh, best interior art. Uh, we got a silver for the Peterson Field Guide, which is the um, the uh, republication and revision of, uh, of two old books that were released many years ago in the 90s, um, which was the Field Guides to Cthulhu Monsters and the Field Guides to Dreamlands Monsters, which we combined into one hardback book with um, a load of new full-color art that was done there. I, I, uh, I kind of worked on the text and revised the text while um, I worked with my uh, colleagues over in France who, who are at Edition Sandy Tours, who are the French licensee for Call of Cthulhu. And those guys worked on the art, and we kind of, you know, worked on the book together effectively and brought it together to create this kind of, uh, you know, what is a, you know, not only a fantastic kind of coffee table type book, but um, a, um, you know, really engaging kind of insight into kind of slightly left field kind of view of monsters of the Cthulhu mythos, which, um, um, you know, further kind of adds depth and also a bit of humour as well to uh, to the whole thing. So. That was that was lovely to see that uh, to get the award, um, and the keeper screen pack won again because it took a, a gold for the best cartography, which was done by uh, Stephanie McKelly. and um, and Steph's not a stranger to getting the odd award for her work, so uh, that was great to see her recognised in the in the keeper screen pack. So it was you know again great work, Steph. Thank you. Um, and um, Steph also won a won an award for her own company, her own right um, as a licensee of Call of Cthulhu. Um, mm-hmm. Won the gold for a best electronic book, um, The Things We Leave Behind, which is a uh, fantastic little anthology of um, kind of dark and mature themed kind of Call of Cthulhu scenarios. So, uh, and that was one among her, her first um, publications from her company, Stygian Fox. So uh, that's you know really really great going there. Absolutely. Um, oh, let's see. What else was I going to bring up? The Doors to Darkness adventure. I believe you may have already touched on that a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doors to Darkness, as I say, it's um, you. You've got a range of scenarios, all sort of set in that kind of um, New England Lovecraft country kind of setting, uh, but each kind of takes different. Um, you know, different aspects of, of the Cthulhu mythos and, and, you know, goes their own way with it. So you kind of have a, you have a bit of a, um, a dungeon delve with one of the scenarios where you kind of, uh, uh, 
finding these tunnels hidden beneath providence and and strange and dark things that shouldn't shouldn't still exist or existing down the these tunnels and it's kind of a much more of a kind of a claustrophobic kind of scenario with a you know where you're where you're a bit uh, kind of playing a cat and mouse kind of game to one set in uh, the uh, the uh, the asylum it's danvers asylum um and um you know you've got a colleague in the asylum who you're trying to you're trying to help and you know who pulls you into the whole manner of shenanigans that are going on in around the asylum and um causing mischief um to um strange a strange new drug appearing on the streets of arkham that is uh, has dire consequences for those who kind of you know foolishly uh, you know take it and uh, that leads to you know some severe danger uh, for the mm-hmm. PDs and and likewise you know, to uh, a search for a missing person and and so on so they you know they kind of appeal to a lot of different kind of horror tropes in that way so um yeah they they all work pretty well what one one of the books i was very pleased to um, see, get a gold was Pulp Cthulhu, of course, because um, uh, I put a, a fair amount of work into that book in terms of getting that, uh, getting that out, and um, and so to sort of get get the uh, get an award for that, which is uh, the best supplement, uh, was was you know particularly uh, particularly um, warmed by that one, I guess, uh, because of just the sheer amount of work of getting it out and, and it getting a very positive reception. Of course, that's the thing about the Ennis. It's why I think uh, we all um, find them so, um, what's the word? Um, uh, you know, we, we, we respect them quite a lot, I think, in terms of, in terms of writing, in terms of you know, publishing role-playing games, is that... Um, they are, you know, whilst they're nominated by uh, a panel of judges, um, they are, they're actually the awards are picked by by the fans. You know, people, anyone can vote. So, um, I think that's 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 a really important thing. Is that you know, you, when when you win an any, it's not just a you know a small group of people who kind of like your book. It's actually a, a large cross section of the uh, the gaming community. So it kind of you know, whilst no one you know produces these role playing books to get awards. It's when you do get them. It's it's a it's a great kind of acknowledgement that you are, as I see it, going in the right direction. <laughs> You're yes. doing something right, hopefully, that uh, that people are appreciating. So that's why, um, you know, I think we we value we you know we value the nominations from an any, and obviously, you know, when if we, if we win a silver or a gold, it's it's particularly um, important, you know. An outstanding product, indeed. And I noticed in the Doors to Darkness adventure. Uh, the adventures uh they appeal to different methods of or implementations of ways to incite fear <laughs> yeah i mean that's 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 the trick with call of Cthulhu is that you know it's technically you know it's it's a it's a game of horror and mystery and you can mm-hmm. play it with just mystery and and low-key the horror um but equally you can play it straight horror and do a kind of um Excuse me. Treat it like a treat it like a horror film where you know you are thrown into this horrific situation. There's very little investigation. It's just survive the night or whatever it may be, or escape. Or um, but obviously, um, you know, the beauty of the game is you can bring the two together as well. So you create. So it works very well across lots of different kind of subgenres of horror as well. From you know, from survival horror to a slow burn kind of mystery investigation, and um, and Doors to Darkness. You know, we tried to. 
you know, through the scenarios kind of capture, you know, elements of those different kind of, you know, tropes really. Uh, like, you know, we've got the, the missing person, which is always a great start for a horror film. You know, someone's gone missing. Some people have got to go and find this person and, and they go to this community where they are fish out of water. It's that classic kind of trope. You know, you go there, you don't know anyone and, and everyone else, everyone else is in on the shared secret and you, you're the outsiders. Um, so you've got that kind of thing going on to to the you know the the one I mentioned about going down into the caves beneath Providence, where it's actually all about exploration. It's about delving into you know, delving into the darkness um, and uncovering you know uncovering things you weren't really meant to find. And so you know through you know the, the events in Dawson Arms particularly that you know we try to show different aspects of of the game, I guess because I mean particularly because it's a, a book geared at, at newer players to the game you kind of want to sort of show that the game is very versatile and, and you know not every you know and scenarios at the end of the day are quite subjective you know some you know two people can read the same scenario and one really gets excited and wants to run it another person can can read it and go like nah, it's not really hitting my buttons so um to sort of show uh, a kind of the wide kind of remit of call of cthulhu allows you to kind of allows people to kind of pick and choose the bits that they like and then they can kind of f follow them down you know follow them down the route and look for other scenarios in that kind of vein and and write their own and, and whatnot so um it's it's all about presenting you know what the opportunities are through play really which um you know most many games have different avenues you could take but i think call of cthulhu particularly has that kind of versatility that um that is often, you know, sometimes, you know, you don't get the same amount in, in, uh, in other kind of tabletop games. That is very true. I mean, as someone that has uh, somewhat followed the game for the last, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> While. Yeah, I'd say 22 years now it's been. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, indeed, it is very versatile, um, and it does depend on the, on the keeper um, to determine the style of gameplay, uh, and it is very customizable. That is one thing that uh, that appealed to me about the game is that uh, that you know when you're running something, you can hone it to suit your needs at the time yeah, yeah um, absolutely i mean it's 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 one of those games that you can play as a one-shot um kind of night of horror where you know you you get a bunch of pre-gens you just roll up some quick characters to play that adventure and you're not heavily invested in the characters but you've got enough to you know play through it and, and it's really just a series of shocks surprises revelations horror mm -hmm. survival and, and and a lot of fun you know you kind of end it you know breathing heavily and just going oh wow we had a lot of fun we all died or we all went mad or we or we ran away and we escaped and, and either way you get a kind of great climax um but yet it's also a game that works really well with these long kind of extended campaigns where, you know, you take a group of characters and as they go through the campaign, some of them will fall to the wayside and, and you know, they, they get injured or die or, or uh, you know, or just retire. Uh, but others kind of pick up their, you know, pick up the, the mission and, and carry it on to, to build this kind of grand kind of grand crescendo climax that, 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 that is expanded beyond this tiny little, little kind of entry point where they started this little mystery that they started spider webs out to this kind of global conspiracy um, yes. 
that can take months to years to to, to play. Um, and um, you know, you can really you know develop your character and and and, and really kind of engage with it. Um, and it's a game that kind of does both these extremes, and it does them really well. And so that you know that I think that versatility in terms of the game, how the game plays, and how it, how the mechanics work, and 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 the scenarios you can play, the range of those, all kind of feed into that into that versatility in that way. Yeah, absolutely. So, how long have you been with Chaos? Um, it's about four years, pretty much full time. Uh, and before that, I um, I did freelance work for the company. You know, I did my first bit of freelance for the company back in, oh, probably getting on for nearly 20 years ago. Um, and then little bits in between. And then, um, uh, and then um, after the Call of Cthulhu 7th edition Kickstarter, it ended and they began the process of fulfilling that. Um, I was asked to kind of join the company to kind of head that up and, and um, you know, well, basically finish writing anything that needed writing and and, and, um, and project managing the kind of the actual, you know, delivery of artwork and all that kind of stuff and, and uh, just getting the books into shape to be able to, you know, um, get them into the into, into production at the company and, and, and to print. Um, so, um, yeah, so I've been doing that, as I say, for four years now, kind of, you know, effectively line editing the Call of Cthulhu line. So, well, any book that comes out of Call of Cthulhu is, is, is at some point either been written or edited by me and, and you know, reviewed and, and so on. And um, um, so, you know, everything from Seventh Edition onward really is, is kind of um, takes my time up. And, you know, I'm, I'm working on three books concurrently at the moment, trying to just keep. You know, keep them keep them coming as it were, which are a you know mix of old and new. Because mm-hmm. one of the things when I joined is obviously Cthulhu's got a um, a big back catalogue, you know, thirty five years worth of, uh, of products. Um, but what I didn't want to do is I didn't want Chaosium to just become a greatest hits factory that we just mm-hmm. spend the next five years just reprinting old books um, because. Um, you know, I think there's still a lot, a lot of new and creative stuff out there to get into new products. So, so I'm trying to, you know, walk that tightrope of not only kind of bringing back some real classics and getting them back into print and, and available to, you know, old and new players, uh, but also, you know, bringing out, you know, new stuff that's going to, um, you know, be fun at the gaming table and stretch people's imagination and, and you know, be. In innovative with how the mythos is used, how the game plays, that kind of stuff. You know, so you know, I'm very keen to kind of get a get a good balance between the two, and I think we, we I think we're kind of getting that balance more or less right. Um, it's um, yeah, it's not always easy, but uh, <laughs> try to. Um, yeah, so I mean, yeah, I and before that, I did a bit of freelance elsewhere, and um, I work obviously I work go for Games Workshop full time for I don't know, coming on for seven or eight years. Um, working in, you know, working in the tabletop division for quite a while, you know, with uh, working around with miniatures and whatnot, and um, and then I ended up working in the uh, Black Library as managing Black Industries, which was the um, the the role playing and board games mini company sitting inside Games Workshop. So you know, I was working on the relaunch of Talisman, the board game, and. Uh, 
finishing off the writing on uh, Dark Heresy, the the warmer forty thousand role playing game, and uh, and um, yeah, so I've kind of been involved in a semi professional capacity for 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 quite a few years, twenty or so years, and then professionally, you know, seven years at Games Workshop, and then you know uh, another another sort of four or five years at G at uh, Chaosium now. Um, which is um, kind of weird because I mean, you know, I look back and most, I, you know, I look back and I've done lots of regular normal jobs, but you know, doing this kind of work is obviously much better and much more fun. <laughs> so uh, uh, I can't complain. So <laughs> I feel very lucky about it. Indeed, indeed. Um, now, do you would you have any advice for those that that might seek uh, Im imaginative and more creative? Um, endeavors than say project management well which those skills yeah. do bleed over yeah, yeah, into absolutely, this yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. um but but yeah uh what advice would you have for someone that that kind of wants to dabble in something like this um i think it, well it all comes down to you know a few few of the same kind of things whether whether you're looking to be whether you're a uh, an artist who's looking to illustrate and and uh, and uh, paint and draw you know for the gaming industry whether you're a writer um, whether you know whether you're a cartographer or wh whatever it may be you know on all points in between um, I think one you've really got to want to do it <laughs> really got to want to do it um, but wanting to do it is not enough you've actually got to do it uh, I meet quite a few people who want to be writers, whether that's for games or fiction, and they talk about wanting to be writers for quite some years, but they never actually write anything. So mm -hmm. they're never going to be that because they don't have a go. You've got to have a go, and, and and we all, you know, all our first efforts are never quite that good, but you only get better by practice and, and learning. Um, so number one is if you, you know, my, my advice for a budding writer is if you want to write, write. And just keep writing, and at some point, share that writing and submit that writing. And at some point, hopefully, you know the fates allow that you, um, you know, you get picked up or you get something written and you get it published. You know, I started off, and my first bit of writing was that I got published. It wasn't me publishing; it was for a magazine, you know, a gaming magazine. I sent a scenario in; they kind of liked it and they put it out there. I mean, I didn't get paid anything. I mean, I got a copy of the magazine for free. I think. Um, and that kind of thing in the same similar, you know, similar thing. You know, I, I, I also, I wanted to kind of not only write, but I also want, I also, uh, because in my day job, I worked in, uh, for a number of years in, in kind of writing copy for marketing and promotions and managing events and all that kind of stuff. So it was quite, you know, I'd already done a lot of editing and a lot of writing, you know, professionally outside of gaming. Um, so, uh, but I wanted to. I wanted to also not only write for game. I also wanted to kind of edit and produce books. So um, I just thought, well, no one's going to let me do that without any kind of experience or history in gaming. So I'll just create something to do that. So um, I put together a fanzine for um, Call of Cthulhu called The Whisperer back in the late nineties, early two thousands, and um, you know just put out on some Call of Cthulhu forums. I'm putting a fanzine together. Would it, if anyone wants to send some stuff in, I will happily try and get it in and I can't pay you it's just going to be for free and you know and and then a load of people sent stuff in and and I just started editing and and working out putting that out and uh, and I, you know I didn't 
really get anything from that other than experience and, and a bit of um, a bit of um, profile, I guess, to some degree. Um, because uh, you know, the end goal was to try and try and do this in some semi-professional capacity. So, but to only to get to that point, you've got to kind of um, you've got to kind of do it. You've got to get some experience somehow. So, you know, you've got to work yes. for free sometimes, or you you, you know. Uh, you know, do some stuff for yourself and self-publish or just share some scenarios on forums or through different kind of, um, you know, groups and societies like, you know, Chaosum's got the Cult of Chaos, which is a volunteer keeper program, GM program. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have a, you know, a private um, forum for those uh, people, including a little private library. And everyone's invited. If they've written a scenario, they want to share it with everyone else in the group, they can just share it. And it's a great way if you're, never written much before to just share a scenario and get loads of feedback and get people playtesting it and sending you feedback and yes. which is um, which is awesome. You know, I wish I'd had a bunch of people who were ready to give me load of, you know, playtest feedback when I started writing. I had to do it all myself. But um, so I think, you know, you've got to you've got to be dedicated. You also got to understand you're not necessarily gonna earn a great amount of money um, you know, working in gaming. You know, a few people you know, very lucky to have runaway successes. You know, if you, you know, you invented Magic the Gathering, then you're probably going to do okay. But not everyone is going to be able to do that. You know, so. Yeah. Um, um, but you know, you can. You know, if you can make. You know, for and for the vast majority, and including myself, before I kind of got, you know, uh, became a full time kind of member of Calcium, um, it's a it's a thing you do on top of your day job. You know, you you make time in the evening or a weekend or whatever to do a little bit and just, you know, do a little bit and a little bit and they become a book or they become a scenario or, or they become a cover art piece or whatever it may be. And, and you know, um, and the vast majority of people in the industry work in that freelance capacity. So, you know, if you can, if you can find the time in your sort of schedule in your day to kind of, you know, to do that, to practice and to, to produce stuff, then, then you have a reasonable you know, and the, providing you, you know, you're a, you're any good and you can do something, then um, you know you've got a reasonable chance as anyone else to kind of get your stuff in print and published and 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 build your reputation and name. Um, but it's about dedication. And it's about doing it and learning. I think it's very much. Obviously, there's lots of other things as well. Like you know, there's yes. you know taking the plunge and just sending your stuff to somebody and, and or a company or going up to somebody at a convention and saying, would, would you have a, you know, would you have a minute to kind of have a chat? I'm interested in writing or can I show you my portfolio or whatever it may be. Um, you've got to, you, you know, at some point you have to kind of take the leap and, you know, show your stuff to somebody else and, and be willing to kind of accept, you know, criticism and all, and all the rest of it. And also as a freelancer, you've got to, Except that once you, you know, most work in the gaming industry tends to be work for hire. So, you know, effectively, you know, you, you sell all your rights, you know, for the piece of art or the piece of writing to the company. Um, and once, you know, once they've paid you for it, um, it's, it's there, it's theirs. And they can, they can fiddle around with it and change it and do all sorts of things. And that's cool because it's theirs now. And you have to be able to walk away. You know, you have to kind of give birth. There you go. And let somebody else, you know, you know, bring it up as it were. So, um, see how you know, it fares in the world. See how it fares in the world. Yeah. You, you know, you can't be too precious about your stuff. It's, you know, that what, then the no one's trying to, no one's trying to, um, destroy your creativity or work. What they're trying to do is tweak it and polish it and hone it to make it as the best it can be. You know, most editors jobs 
are quite in the background and the, and the job tends to be making the writer look better. So, you know, I spend a lot of my time editing and, and doing little revisions on, on other people's work that, you know, they're, they're effectively going to get the public credit for. I just in the background, hoping that we, you know, make the book as the best it can be, um, which is hopefully what the writer or the illustrator wants as well, because, you know, they, they want, you know, the product the best it can be because that reflects well on them as well. So, yeah, it's all those all those kind of things. I think you know, it's the the in a nutshell, you just have to say you just have to try and do it. <laughs> just have to give it a go. Absolutely, and it takes time. It does take time. And and thank you so much for sharing this with us today. Um, I am going to interject for a very brief moment for a word mm. from our sponsors, Birds Coffee Company. Birds, blah, 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 Birds Coffee Company, uh, Birds of Feather. Um, I believe they are at Birds Coffee. Dot. John, bird edit coffee this out. Bird's Coffee Company. And I don't have. I am not a morning person. <laughs> it's, it's all my fault. It's all my no, fault. No, it's, 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 like, it's quite like, all right. It's, it's like three thirty right. in the UK here, and, and something like five o'clock in the morning where you where you are, Leah. It's all my fault. No, <laughs> no, it's 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 nine thirty. It, it would be mid morning for most people, but uh, yeah, I'm not a morning person. But yes, birdscoffeecompany.com. Is it a damn fine coffee? It is damn fine coffee, and they have just come out with a Legends of Tabletop blend, and they awesome. will deliver it to you. Um, is <laughs> 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 at least I'm getting this out of the way right now. Um, they will deliver to you, and and they they will also have a wonderful 10% discount. Place your order with the code Legends10, and we will share a 10% discount with you. So yes, do you love coffee? I love coffee. We all love coffee. <laughs> yes, I need to drink more. Um, so, so, yeah. So, did I hear that just straight, Leah? You put in Legends 10 to get a 10% discount at... Yes, at birdscoffeecompany.com. Uh, there's a brew awesome. for every birdie uh, at birdscoffeecompany.com, and I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, um... <clears throat> Oh God, but yeah, you you said that you've been involved in a in a semi professional capacity with gaming for about twenty years. Yeah, um, so. yeah. So, how long would you say that you've been involved in gaming in general? In general, well, that's longer. <laughs> mm -hmm. Despite how I may look, I am older than you know twenty. So. Uh, <laughs> No, I'm. Uh, I I started gaming back in about. I can't remember precisely. My memory is fading. You see, that, that's because I am so old. My memory is fading. But I think it's about 1979, 1980 is when I was invited around a school friend's house uh, for his birthday, and I thought it was I was going to a party. So when I turned up and it was just him, his two brothers, and another friend. I thought, well, this is a small. <laughs> What's going on? This isn't. I thought, where's the disco? 
Um, <laughs> and, um, and they're all sat around this table with these dice and these really weird dice and pencils and so on. And, um, but they had these miniatures on the table. These, uh, I, I think there were like some skeletons and some, you know, with, you know, and an adventuring party. And I'd never, ever seen the, the, the models I had only ever seen to that point were either airfix model tanks and planes or you know, Star Wars kind of, you know, um, you know, little doll toy things, whatever they're called in real life. Um, that, that were the only models I've ever seen. So these little mini miniatures, brightly painted of wizards and skeletons with swords, were like awesome. And, mm -hmm. and I was like, well, whatever we're doing, let's do it with those. <laughs> and um, and we, we, we were run through a, you know, a and d game that I, I can only remember that we kind of went through about two or three rooms in every room. There's, there happened to be a bunch of skeletons and some more, there's some goblins. I think they were the only miniatures the guy had. So we just kept fighting these skeletons and all. But it was brilliant, you know, it's like, wow, this is like, I've just never seen anything like this before. So I was completely sold from day one. Um, and so um, as soon after that, um, it, it, by fate, my history teacher was, was, was a massive gamer that I didn't know about. Uh, he was a massive board gamer, an historical kind of gamer, who also was into role playing. And so he, he was keen to start a gaming club after school which you know was just a bit of anything you know we just get out a load of history games or board games but he also uh, would turn up with a load of miniatures and 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 occasionally run like dnd or something you know and and kind of through that and and my friend and his his brother and that we were you know playing these games and you know we discovered that there were shops that sold this stuff and it didn't you know and um and so suddenly you know that you know it really kind of caught that wave of, of the, the first kind of gold age of, you know, tabletop role playing with, you know, stuff coming out here and there and RuneQuest coming out and Traveller and, and then, you know, and then a million and one other games followed kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and um, eventually I moved, I actually moved areas. Uh, so I, I lost all of my role playing friends and uh, didn't know anyone. Um, but very luckily on the first day, of the uh, the new school that I went to, the first guy I met, in fact, the, my new tutor said, oh, why don't you hang around with Simon um, and he'll show you where everything is. And then within about half an hour of his starting to chat, I, we realized that he role played as well. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so I was really lucky to kind of walk straight into meeting a, a new uh, a new friend who, who also role played. And um, so me and Simon and, and then other friends, you know, started role-playing you know where i'd moved to so uh so i was quite lucky in that way because i guess if i'd have moved somewhere where, where nobody else role-played and i didn't really know anyone i could have easily kind of you know lost the ability to kind of really you know do do role-playing in the hobby at that at that point really which could have could have sent me down a different path maybe i don't know but um yeah so i did that and then i moved up to an upper school uh, and there was no role-playing going on there so by that time I was old enough to kind of just say hey why don't we start a role-playing club and uh, mm -hmm. and um, and you know took it from there really um, so you know I've, I'm still playing with um, in fact tonight I'm I'm going around to my what is the my oldest group of role-playing friends uh, who we still meet uh, you know ideally once every other week it's sometimes a bit longer but 
you know, and we still game, you know, we role play, we play a few ball games here and there and that kind of thing. So in fact, I'm seeing them tonight. So that's how it, and those are the guys I met back in the eighties, you know, uh, role playing. So, um, so it's been quite an important part of my life, I guess, for, you know, so, you know, since childhood really that, you know, a lot of my friends are gamers, you know, I met through gaming and, and, um, you know, um, it's been, I guess that's why, you know, I'm quite passionate about it as a hobby because I think, you know, it's given me so much um, that um, I feel it's it's only fair to try and give back, you know, which is why I wanted, you know, not only to, you know, start to produce stuff for role-playing companies, it's, you know, to, to write and to share stuff and to and to, um, and to kind of help the next generation, you know, so, so working with new writers has, has always been important to me to kind of, you know, encourage, encourage new people to come along and then, so, you know, I get, I get quite a few submissions in uh, in my uh, capacity at Kersium and um, and I get you know and the vast majority aren't really really uh, at a level where you know they're 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 right for publication they you know they're good first efforts or someone is trying hard and you can see them developing but they're not they're not quite there yet um, mm-hmm. but what I try to do you know because obviously it's easy I could just email back say no thank you and and that's pretty much it um, but I try to spend a bit of time going through a, a scenario with a newer writer and, and just trying to point out some, you know, some editing and just to, to some points and, and um, some advice because, um, you know, if I can help them to see where they can improve things and where they can, you know, do, you know, make it more, more uh, in line with what a publisher might want, then hopefully that improves their chances, whether it's with Kersim or another company or whatever. But, um, so I think it's you know what I what I can't do it for every single submission you know where 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 I think you know I can you know hopefully give a a few bits of advice I try to uh, try to do that because as I say it's imp- I find it you know important to to try and um, you know encourage you know the next writers you know next bunch of writers that are going to come you know for the industry whether they end up writing role playing games or fiction and novels it doesn't really matter you know but um, that kind of creative spark if we can. Um, you know, if you can nurture it and encourage it, then that's no bad thing as far as I'm concerned. Not at all. Now, I know that the Chaosium Fiction line has been fantastic. I, I have <laughs> enjoyed the fiction line quite a bit. Now, do you have anything to do with the fiction line? I, I don't know. I mean, to be honest, I, I, I'd, love, I'd love to have more to do with the fiction line, but, um, but I, to be honest, my plate is so stacked with just rid of Call of Cthulhu. Um, yes. But I just haven't got the time. As much as I mean, the, my, my nearest thing to fiction is occasionally I kind of bit of spare time in you know of my own time to occasionally, you know, do a bit of scribbling, kind of fictional writing myself, the odd sort of short story, that kind of thing, uh, just to kind of scratch that itch a little bit. But um, but uh, no, I, I don't uh, I don't really look after the fiction line at all. But uh, a colleague of mine, James Lauder. Um, mm-hmm. has, has come on board Kersim as the, the line editor for fiction now and he's Jim's got a, a long and illustrious history in, in, in fiction and, and fiction related to gaming uh, having you know having been there in the days of old TSR and their fiction lines as well as many of the I think that Mike me and you know say again Oh, I thought you had dropped for a moment there. No. I thought I had lost you. I was no. like, oh, no. Okay, I, I apologize. Well, I think, so, oh, yeah, I did just say I had a bit of a, a network thing for a second, but I think it's back now. So, right. yeah. So, yeah, Jim, having Jim on board has is, is, been great. And obviously what 
you know, Jim is currently working on is, you know, developing, um, you know, the new tiles that are going to be start, you know, you'll start to see coming out in, in, you know, 2018 onwards really. And there's some, some really interesting books that, uh, that he's got lined up that I've been, all I know is some titles and a few writers names have been mentioned and that's, that's kind of excited me enough. So, uh, so I can't wait to sort of see those books. And obviously, yeah, again, a bit like the Call of Cthulhu line, you, we've got a, a, a long back catalogue of fiction books. And, um, and so, you know, Jim, I know, is reviewing those and looking about which ones we can get back into print or which ones we can maybe recombine or restructure and, and put out as compendiums or whatever it may be. So there's quite an exciting time, really. And um, it would be great to see that that line, you know, really back out there and, and, and strong because, um, you know, with a game... Well, with a game like Call of Duty and also a game like RuneQuest, fiction is always quite heavily, a heavy kind of um, um, layer of, of that gaming. Whilst you don't need to go and read anything else, you can just play with what we produce as a game materials. There is this whole background of stuff, this whole background of Gwantha, there's a whole kind of you know weird fiction and horror and sci-fi um, that, that leads into tabletop you know, role-playing that we do. Um, yeah. um, and so, gonna- you know, if you're going to play around in that universe, you might as well immerse your imagination in that universe for a little while. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, not only do you kind of, you know, get a bit of immersion and just enjoy reading the stories, you, nine out of ten times you come away with a cool idea that you're going to go, oh, I'm, going to use, I'm going to take that idea and use it in my game or I'm going to write a scenario about that or, or I'm going to drop that into the current scenario. Um, you know, that's, you know, we all beg, borrow and steal from you know, life around us, which includes, you know, fiction. And um, so having, you know, having this kind of um, foundation of fiction that the Call of Cthulhu game was built upon and the and the kind of the uh, the fictional kind of narratives and histories of, of worlds like Galantha that support RuneQuest is just awesome, you know, because, you know, most gamers, if you're anything like me, you, you, you get into a game, you just want to read everything. You just want to, I really want to immerse myself. I want to, you know, see what, what, what does this mean and what, the, you know, what, where do Shoggoths come from and what, whatever it may be. Um, mm-hmm. And the beauty is it's all out there. It, is, it does exist, and, but there's not one answer. There's lots and lots of different takes to it all, which is what keeps it, you know, keeps it interesting. Absolutely. Now, uh, now we, we've covered... Very briefly, the fiction line, um, actually just extremely glossed over, but uh, with the, uh, are there any board games or other uh, merchandise that we should be aware of as fans sure. of Chaosium? Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, Chaosium's first game release was a board game, and then we kind of got into role-playing games, and we didn't really do any more board games, okay. but um, but happy to say that, um, Susan O'Brien uh, has come on board as our kind of board games um, line editor, and um, we've got one game out currently, which is Khan of Khans, which is a um, uh, uh, a very kind of simple um, kind of card-based game where you are stealing cows from one another. You are kind of herders and clans in in, in Glanta, and and uh, you are uh, effectively cattle rustling for the game. Um, but it's a really simple kind of mechanic, but really quite engaging and 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 um it's one of the games it's fairly quick to play um and it's the kind of game you, you finish one game and you go, let's have another game because i want to i want to beat you this time and whatever it may be and <laughs> and um that's really cool so that's just been um delivered out um that was kickstarted and and their copies have, have gone out to um all the backers from kickstarter um and that game you know is is 
is uh, going on sale if it's not already. I can't, I'm not quite sure where we are in the time at the minute, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it will be on sale probably by the time this comes out. Um, and um, but we've also got a, a Cthulhu-based game, which is a um, again a kind of a card-based semi-card. Well, it's cards and, and a kind of I don't really have a board, but you have some boards. If that explains it. But you, it's called uh, the Miskatonic University Restricted Collection. I think mm -hmm. is the current title. Uh, and that's currently in kind of the very final, um, the very final um, parts of the process of putting it together. The kind of the rules have been play tested a lot now, uh, and been tweaked and refined, and we've pretty much got it, got it down pat. Uh, and um, oh, what I should say is both of the games, the rules are actually based um, on rules that have been developed by Rainer Knizia. Uh, so they're, they're really strong sets of rules that work really well. And what we're doing is you know, just tweaking them slightly uh, to just adjust them for the kind of the, um, the, the background setting that's going to go around them. Um, and uh, the Miskatonic U game is where you all play academics at uh, Miskatonic U. Um, and what you're all trying to do is you, there's two, there's kind of two objectives, really. There's, there's one where you know you there's a there's a position coming up at the library for the head of the uh, library association, which is you know would look at you know a fine credit on your resume. Yes. Um, so you all want to you all want to get this position, and as you're all waiting for it, for your interviews in the library, um, uh, a student or a professor or something has opened the wrong book and said the wrong thing out loud. <laughs> Some extra dimensional horror or something has, has appeared in the library, and so. Um, Professor Armitage just kind of run out and said, right, you lot, you know, stop sitting there doing nothing. Go into the restricted collection and find some way to get rid of this creature. And in fact, <laughs> yeah, in fact the one who does it can get the job. And so, <laughs> so you're trying to not only kind of, you know, you, the game is about obviously trying to collect law and spells and magic to allow you to kind of, you know, uh, have the right collection of law to kind of dispel this monster. But you want to do it you don't want anyone else to do it because you want to get the job. So it's also about that kind of academic kind of backstabbing kind of thing going on. So you're trying to throw a spanner in the works for your fellow players as well. Um, so um, it works really well. So, you, you know, you've got this, you know, you're, you're in, you, you've got your own gun again that you're trying to, you're trying to collect the right kind of bits of information to, mm -hmm. to succeed whilst at the same time trying to fight off your companions and also throw them a spanner once in a while as well to stop them winning so, <laughs> so it's, it's 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 kind it's kind of it's not mega competitive but it it can be <laughs> it can be depending on who's playing it so it's, it's a lot of fun to play and it and it really captures that kind of sense of delving in the library trying to find forbidden law which is the kind of law you don't really want to find because you don't know what it's <laughs> going to do to you so it's like really kind of oh you know i've got i've got you know dare i dare i you know go again and try and find this thing because if you find the wrong piece it can it will have an, an adverse effect on drive you mad yeah it drive you you can lose sanity points so so um we were, we were playing it at um the UK Games Expo doing little demos and play testing and uh, we had we had a lot of fun doing that so um um, so uh, that that will be um, that will be I think going to do a, a Kickstarter uh, not far off now and and uh, and then released in, in uh, 2018. So um, yeah, so board games. You know, long answer to a short question is that yeah, so board games are a, an important part of the you know, the cares and family of games again. So um, okay. which is great to see. Yeah. What do we have in the works 
for gaming accessories and expansions, etc. For Call of Cthulhu. Okay. Um, we 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 are still we we're tending now as a company to steer clear of the kind of um, gaming accessory sorts of stuff. So you know, like um, dice and mugs and cups and all that kind of thing, because we have a lot of uh, we have a lot of other people who who. Uh, our licensees who, whose, whose main job is to boost that kind of stuff, who are, who are far better at doing it than us. So it's far, far makes far more sense for us to kind of license those guys to produce things that we could never produce, you know, far, much better quality, to allow us to do what we do best, which is to produce books and games. So in terms of Call of Cthulhu, what, what I'm working on in terms of supplements and, and expansions is um, we've... Um, well, we just released Down Darker Trails, which is the um, the Old West, Wild West kind of setting for Call of Cthulhu. Um, mm -hmm. And the print edition of that will be coming out just before Christmas, so we'll be in well. Um, uh, so that's, that's exciting. That's a brand new setting written by Kevin Ross. Um, and uh, it's full of lost valleys and strange lore and weird stuff going off in the west it's just just really cool it's a really cool book with lots of lots of real history lots of mythos history and, and combining the two you know so it's a, it's a great read let alone you know some some couple of really cracking adventures in there as well so that's that's kind of just out the door more or less um and uh, but in terms of what i'm working on i'm putting the finishing touches to the uh republication and new edition of masks of Nathatep, which is the the classic call yes. of campaign so um so uh myself and lynn hardy paul fricker who was my co-writer on seventh edition and scott dorwood have been working for um oh, six or eight months or so on you know reworking the text you know polishing the text um and um filling in a few little minor gaps here and there adding a few little twists adding a few more layers of depth and history and and, uh, uh, and um gameplay to the to the campaign uh, adding a new uh, kind of prologue chapter set in peru where you know that kicks off the campaign um and um whilst at the same time keeping the campaign the same so we're not we're not looking to rewrite it in and to change it all because it's a great campaign and uh, mm -hmm. what we're looking to do is to just, again, to just make it a, as, as best we can and to, and to update it to the new edition of Call of Cthulhu and make it as easy as possible for the Keeper to run. Because it's a very convoluted and big campaign that spreads across the world with clues going here and everywhere. So keeping track of all that, you know, in the original edition has always been, you know, a fairly tough job. You know, you needed to be a fairly experienced Keeper to keep it keep on track. So what we wanted to do was to try and make that as easy as possible for people. So we've added in lots of, you know, inter internal navigation to make it easier for, you know, so you don't hopefully have to be that experienced a keeper to be able to run it. You know, hopefully a, a fairly new keeper could run it, could pick it up, read it, understand how the navigation works and, and um, you know, feel pretty confident about running it. So hopefully it makes it a little bit more accessible. Um, and so um, we're just kind of putting the finishing touches to that and we've got art coming in and full color maps and cartography and uh, it's going to be it's glorious kind of hard back maybe hard backs uh, books that are going to be all full color with new art and uh, we're just looking at some of the uh, the, the cover concepts and um, which are looking awesome because they're done by Sam Lamont who 
just won the any for the uh, yeah. for the for the book. So we're hopefully we're in safe hands with him. And um, yeah, so I'm really excited to see that come out because it's been out of print for a little while now, and everyone wants it back in print. And and um, I think whether you've already whether you played it back in the day and you think you know you think you know your campaign, I think you know coming back and replaying the new edition will be will be a blast. And if you've never played Neil Atatap, then you know you're gonna have a great time because you know you've got this thing that's gonna just immerse you for some time in 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 what is a you know clearly one of the one of the best kind of yes. I've ever written. So uh, so really, really pleased to sort of um, be able to get that back out there. And uh, again, hopefully that will be coming to life in you know not too late in 2018. So excellent. Now I'm I'm going to go ahead and and start to uh, bring things to a close here, Mike. Okay. Um, I'm going to start with something called the Final Five, but I have tweaked it a little bit over the past year and a half, and <laughs> I've added some things, so it's more like the Final Seven. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, now, judging the content of what we have spoken about for the past. Oh, 53 minutes or so. <laughs> um, I think I know the answer to this question. Video game or tabletop? Which do you prefer <laughs> and why? Probably tabletop, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so we're gonna we're gonna step aside for a second. Uh, Star Wars Star Trek or for those of us that might not like either of them, um, Dune. Which which one? Oh would you no, prefer? that's really hard because Star Wars and Star Trek is easy because it's Star Trek. But you add in Dune, that's a whole level of complication. <laughs> one of my favourite books is the Dune, you know, the Dune trilogy, and and mm -hmm. even though it's a flawed film, the David Lynch version of Dune has a certain place in my heart. So oh, that's that's tough. But I'm gonna <laughs> have to, oh. Because I read Dune at least once every two years. It's kind of like, oh, my word. You've really thrown me now. Um, oh, Dune or Star Trek. I have to go with Star Trek because it's been there longer for me and I've watched everything and, yeah, it's going to have to be Star Trek, I'm afraid. Um, okay. I agree on that <laughs> That's one. a tough question. <laughs> if you could have one superpower, what would it be and why? Oh, um, the power of yeah, the power to 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 gate to um, to uh, transport yourself anywhere at any time. That would be marvelous. Thank you very much. It Make would. life a lot easier. I wouldn't have to sit on airplanes for hours and end getting cold and getting yeah. the air con drying up my nose. No, that that'd be great. <laughs> I could go to any convention. To, oh, I want to go. I fancy going to Jane Convention. Just go. There you go. Yes. <laughs> Save a lot of money too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is so true. And that's the first time I've heard that answer. That's a great answer. <laughs> um, Marvel or DC? Marvel. Okay. Without uh, a doubt. <laughs> why? Is it simply because of the movies? Or no, 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 no. no. I, I, um, I don't really collect comics anymore, but back in the day I, I was a bit of a comic collector I've always I mean I always I've always liked Batman I see no point in Superman it's just you know somebody who can do everything just isn't doesn't appeal to me um, 
and I like Swamp Thing, and I like DC's Vertigo line. But, you know, I grew up with the Avengers, the Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, uh, Iron Man, and the Hulk, and... Um, Ghost Rider. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, <laughs> that's kind of my thing. I, I, I always felt Marvel superheroes were a bit more colourful, a bit more engaging. And I think maybe as I get older, I appreciate DC stuff a bit more because that tends to be darker and a little bit more grittier. But if I'm after superheroes, you know, you can't beat Spider-Man and his mouth and you can't beat Iron Man flying and punching somebody. It's great, you know. <laughs> sci-fi or fantasy? Um, it's probably sci-fi, I think, you know, because Dune's in sci-fi. You know, you got that, you know. Dune, it's questionable. Is it sci-fi well, or yeah, is it well, space magic? Technically, it ain't got a wizard in it. There's no one, <laughs> no one called a wizard in it, so I'm calling it sci-fi. There, there you go. And it's got spaceships in, so there you are. But no, I, I, I think I think sci-fi. I mean, I, I grew up reading mainly horror and sci-fi with a bit of fantasy. And I, I really got switched off fantasy for a while because it seemed every book I opened began with some young boy who didn't know his past, who was looked after by his kindly old uncle with the long white beard and pointed hat, and who's in fact the king of the land. And I was just like, oh, again, this is just the same thing all the time. And you'd open a science fiction book and they'd be really different. So, yeah. um, so sci-fi for me. Okay. Uh, let's see. What job? Oh, this is going to be hard because you already do what you do, which is pretty damn cool. <laughs> uh, what job, if you were offered it, would make you immediately drop everything you're doing to say yes to? Yeah, I kind of did that with this job. <laughs> <laughs> so I've kind of done it, and this is this job is the answer. Um, yeah, I can't really be more honest than that, really, on that one. Okay. <laughs> it is my dream job, so, yeah. <laughs> what album? Look, we're going to switch over to music real quick. What album can you listen to all the way through without skipping a single track? Um, Surfer Rosa by The Pixies. Mm -hmm. um, and pretty much anything by The Cramps. So, okay. Yeah. Excellent. Let's go meta. <laughs> what question do you wish I would have asked you? Oh, wow. That's, I don't know. Uh, you've stumped me. Um, you haven't asked me what board game I played last. What board game did you play last? <laughs> the last board game I played, I'm looking, up, I'm looking up at them now, I'm trying to remember, was Galaxy Trucker, which is an awesome game. Okay. Have you ever played it? No, I haven't. Oh, it's awesome. It's, it's, it's a crazy, uh, fun game where you, you it's like two games in one. For the first bit of the game, you have lots of little tiles, lots of squares, and they've all got starship components on. And you, um, you have to, within a time period, before everyone else, build your spaceship, you know, and you've got to build it. You've got to put lasers and engines in and crew cargoes and all that kind of thing and, and hope it all sticks together. And once you've all built your spaceship, um, you have to then fly it around the galaxy, um, fending off space pirates and meteor storms and, uh, and um, exploring planets to get trade, um, all while competing with your fellow 
guys are all running these cargo spaceships as well and race them back home to see who's got the most and who's won. And, but the thing you do over three rounds and every time you do it, your spaceship, you design a new spaceship which gets bigger and bigger. It's absolutely crazy and off the wall and mad and it's a load of fun. So uh, yeah, I recommend that. That's great. <laughs> can, can you tilt the camera just enough yeah. to give us a shelfie? Oh, 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 okay. So let's see what I can do. Um, Trying to see what I can set out. Let's see. Shelfie is up there. Not not that shelf. Not that shelfie. That's the shelfie. That's got my pots on. There's a beautiful shelfie. octopus thing on the wall. You want to see my books? Of the game. The screen isn't big enough for this. So my books are Oh, look at that. Okay. And then all the way across there. And then down below as well. So yes, that's that's. I, I, that's, I'm that's, sorry. Even a gamer shelfie. Mm -hmm. Because I saw you kept looking over there. Is yeah, I've got all my talking got about the game. More games sat there, which is my. I can yeah, I can look and go. Oh yeah, I've not played that one yet. That's what I need to play. <laughs> okay. But now all my books to hand where I work. So because um, uh, for referencing stuff, it's just. A lot quicker than looking up a PDF is just go and get the book and actually look at the book. So, um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so very much for providing me with your time to spend with you this, well, for me, this morning, for you, this <laughs> afternoon. Um, but, yeah, th thanks for letting me uh, take up some of your time today and sharing that with us. I really, really appreciate it, and I'm no, sure that, any viewers fun. will, too. It's, uh, it's been, a, been a pleasure, Leah. It's been, been great. And uh, no, thank you. Thank you. And thank um, Legends of Tabletop, who uh, continue to do sterling work in the promotion <laughs> of the role-playing hobby. Yes. Uh, thank, yeah. thank you so much. This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop Broadcast Network. For more gaming-related content, please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com.